0: The opinions and recommendations in this podcast are those of the participants and not necessarily of ozleisure.com.au. This podcast covers the subject of alcohol consumption and as such is aimed at adults, although it does not contain any subject matter that would be offensive to children. ozleisure.com.au and all participants remind our listeners that alcohol should always be consumed responsibly. It's a fine time to have a drink. Maybe with some mates for a date. Sounds good now, don't you think? Forget the world, don't worry about money. Let's be pleasure seekers, honey. And let's check the grapevine for advice. Oh yes, indeed. A frosty beverage might be what you really need. Will it be red or white? Which way to go at all looks good tonight? Let's check the grapevine for advice. Well, welcome back to the Oz Leisure Grapevine. I'm here again with Greg from Docks Liquor. Hello, Greg. Hi, uh, Richard. Thank you for coming along once again. It's my pleasure. Um, it's, it is it is a pleasure coming along talking about wine, there's no doubt about it. Uh, uh, favourite <laughs> subject apart from drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they go hand in hand, really, don't they? Um, so what have you got for us today, mate? Um, today I thought we'd uh, do something
1: a little bit different and, uh, and step outside the square again. Instead of just talking, gas-bagging about wine, i I thought of seeing how the wonderful Os Leisure website is dedicated sorry dedicated to tourism events in Australia, um, then what better to talk about somewhere close that we live, which is the Ara Valley and all that it has to offer? Um, having lived and worked in the Arrow Valley for the last 10 years, I sometimes take it for a little bit for granted, but we really are on the doorstep of a truly recognized wine region which is the equal of any other in australia so mm. nowadays we we are quite often we talk about the icon areas such as margaret river in wa barossa in south australia McLaren Vale, south australia hunter valley in new south wales and when we talk about uh, victoria the first wine region that often gets mentioned is Yarra valley and uh, it's a, a great region that has Really developed over a period of time and, and become an area nowadays that's vital to our tourism industry mm, and, uh, yeah. has really developed. Um, Yarra Valley as a wine region dates back into the 1800s and, uh, where the likes of the Castella brothers had Yearing Station, which was quite a party house, I believe, <laughs> in the early days. They, um, it used to be quite a destination to travel out there by coach and, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there was quite a few wineries of the same ilk that uh, used to hold big events and stay people would go and stay mm. um, and one of the, the famous wineries out there now is Saint Huberts, which is actually Hubert Castella, who oh. was the, the brother of um, uh, Castella that started up yearing station and uh, but you dropped the h it's not Hubert's it, it, well it's Saint Hubert's now. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Hubert Costello was uh, the, he was the, uh, founder of the vineyard out there. So the, in the early days, there wasn't that many vineyards, but they were real tourist destinations. And, um, we sort of don't think about it in the early days, but it was a long trip out there then to, actually go to the Yarra Valley. And they'd stay the night, would they? Yeah, that? they'd stay the night, and that's yeah. where the party house reputation <laughs> <laughs> roared up. So um, no worries about being the designated driver then? No, just that's just right. Yeah, you could stay the night and really get stuck into <laughs> it. Um, the, the face of the Yarra Valley changed in the, the 50s and the 60s. Um, like a lot of the wine industries in Australia... Uh, we saw a lot of vine pool schemes in South Australia and, and other regions just simply because of economics. Mm. And the same thing happened in the Arrow Valley. And there was a, uh, conver- a reversion back to um, farming and rural subsidence rather than uh, the wine industry. And so we saw a lot more uh, development of uh, rural properties which were used for uh, the likes of cattle and sheep and mm. things like that. And it wasn't really until the early 90s that we started to see the development kick off again in the, the valley with uh, some of the wineries. And again, this is about the time that I lived, we lived up there. We were late 80s, early 90s. And I remember specifically driving down the road to work and looking across into a paddock and thinking, had horses and cows in there a couple of weeks ago, and now these pine poles sticking out of the ground, and it it just emerged that every month was the same. There was just more and more properties putting in vineyards, and so over the the ten years, I saw a lot of development, um and I, I did a lot of work within the industry as well up there, doing different wine events and. Uh, it was great, it was really good fun and uh, it's still
0: continuing today, this is, you know... Well, what, what, what What's the draw card? What, what, what brings them to, to plant a, a, a vineyard? Well, a, I, I think you've got good conditions,
1: yeah. you've got the right soils, the right area, um, temperatures are good, climates, um, all these things, and you've got proximity as well to Melbourne, so it's all strings together and you know if somebody thinks something's viable up there and obviously it is because there's that many wineries up there now mm. uh it, it makes it a a great area to get a vineyard going and it uh, yeah, all all seems to be working well up there at the moment um it, the yarrow valley itself is divided into two main regions so you've got upper Yarra valley and lower Yarra valley now these are really dictated by the major highways that run through the area so if you go into the upper yarrow valley you're taking the warburton highway Mm. and this runs from uh, lilydale through to warburton and and beyond and if you turn to the left and you take the Maroonda highway this is the lower yarrow valley and you can go right through into heelsville and then if you want to go into the um across the black spur you can go right into narbathine and marysville although there's not that much winery concentration up. Past the Black Spur, it's mainly back before Healsville.
0: What's the Black Spur for people that don't uh, know? What I'll, is? Um,
1: yeah, I'll tell you about that in a second. Yeah. It's one of the the best roads in uh, in Melbourne, I think. So uh, um, I was oh. going to talk about that when we actually. All right. um, I'll, I'll, I'll um, wait for continue with it. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you a little <laughs> bit more about it. Um, one of the the outstanding wineries that I found along the. The way uh, There's a number of large wineries up there, but um, one that really stands out that's prominent, which I think everyone should visit if you get a chance. And whether you're local or interstate or you're travelling from overseas and you're, you're coming to see the valley, definitely drop in and see Shandon. It used to be called Domain Shandon, They've dropped the Domain. It's now just Shandon And uh, this is the a winery that's owned by Moet Hennessy, uh, the famous Champagne House in France, and uh, this is their Australian arm. They uh, purchased the property back in 1986 and have developed it ever since, and uh, it's a beautiful area. Well, I must
0: say, I was up there a couple of months ago, and it was an experience. I was we just going to say, yeah, how did you find oh, it? Because it was just fabulous. Um, I had an uncle of mine come out from the UK and um, managed to, to get him along there and, and we had a lovely afternoon. Unfortunately I was driving so I couldn't really sample the wares. Um, I had a taste of what they had on offer. The tastings were, were, were fabulous. Um, I could have spent the whole afternoon there but uh, we needed to push on, but it was really, really lovely. Um, and we'll have some pictures that uh, can go along with this podcast, so you can get an idea of um, what what it looks like because it's a stunning place. Uh, which you could probably tell us a little bit more about that, the history of it. Yeah, sure. It's a, yeah, it is.
1: It's one of the most picturesque wineries along the, the whole uh, lower valley route. It's just stunning. And uh, Chandon was purchased. As a property in 1986 by Moet Hennessy, the famous champagne house in France, you know Um, how much they paid for it. No, no. I like that some of the checkbook though. It has a long history in there because the Greenpoint Homestead was built in the 1880s, and the name Greenpoint originates from the early settlers in the 1850s who observed that each summer the as the summer advanced and all the grasses around the area turned straw-coloured, this one tract of land from Yeringburg Station down to the Arrow River would stay completely green. And um, this was the, the Point property. So this was due to the deep alluvial soils that surround the property, which is they held better moisture retention and the, this is also a great asset to wine growing and uh, production at vineyards. So... Uh Shandon obviously did their homework when they yeah. purchased the place and thought this is the ideal spot and, and when you go up there and you see how green it is, it's just magnificent all year round. So it's beautiful. A lovely park, area. Yeah. Um the homestead today, uh since they've rebuilt it, it's a bit of a marriage of modern and traditional architecture um, with all the traditional features of uh method champagne production, which we'll talk about a little little bit further down the track as well. And uh, so you've got all the, the tasting rooms and the bottling rooms and the underground cellars and really worth having a, mm. a bit of a tour and dropping in. Um, a few things that we like to do, this is a, just a personal note, I thought uh, if you're, you're up that way in the valley and you want to visit mm. a few places, I thought I'd make a few different recommendations that you might normally get. Um, once you leave Shandon, so if you go up early in the morning and try some of their, their magnificent bubbles or their flat wines, or still wines, I should say, um, once you leave, if you head back up into Healesville itself, stop in Healesville, have a look around in the shops. There's um, fantastic shops up there. Uh, one of the big centres now that has actually been built up there is uh, Giant Steps, who who is um, Phil Sexton, who was the originator of... Uh, the Devil's Lair wines in Western Australia. Mm. This man's bought a property in the Arrow Valley, which is Giant Steps Winery. Makes some fantastic wines up there. Very smart cookie. Also makes was the uh, originator of Coffex coffee, Matilda Bay beer. Um, oh, yeah, he's like a, the entrepreneur. Yeah, he is. He's a, a master brewer as well, and mm. uh, he he has a finger in every pie and. Uh, he's only just opened this visitor centre recently, but well worth having a look because they really focus on all assets of food, wine, um, mm. and beer production and uh, really worth having a look at. Um, if you get the time, drop in and see my good friend Ian at Cheese Freaks and Book Nuts. Go and get some local bread. Uh ask him for some Tarago River Blue or Yarra Valley Persian Goats Fetter yeah. and uh, yeah, you'll have something if you want a mid-morning snack or you want to take something with you be warned though, his cheeses, once you try them, everything else you buy in the supermarket looks like cardboard after that <laughs> um, they're just fantastic um, if you leave Hillsville and continue on a bit further if you um, you haven't seen the Hillsville Century, drop in and have a look mm-hmm. and uh, if not, go up into the Black Spur, which I was, uh, yeah, yeah. Mike was asking about. The Black Spur is really the great ocean road of the mountains. It's just magnificent. There's 70, 80, 90 mm-hmm. meter tall gum trees in there with ancient rainforest ferns just hanging over the side. It's a great drive. It's not a long, as long as the ocean road, but it is magnificent just to drive through. That's windy? It, windy yeah, it's windy, yes, very hilly and windy. So you're going up and, up over two mountains and one of the things we like to do is we love to go about three quarters of the way through we stop uh, at a little place on the left hand side called st Ray- st roman's well mm. take some empty plastic bottles with you fill up it's a fresh water spring i was talking to one of the locals and he told us it just flows year round the water is just really clean, clear, crisp, Cost stuffing and, mm-hmm. you know, you can bring yeah, yeah. it back with you. It's just pure mountain water. Then if you do a Yui and then go back down, you can stop at some of the reserves on the way, like Fernshaw Reserve and have a, a picnic with your cheese or whatever. Yeah, yep. um, Or drop back down into Healesville itself, and there's uh, a couple of fantastic places to eat in there. Um, go and see a good family friend, Des Harrington, who owns the Grand Hotel, which is the first one coming back down, they do a fantastic lunch and also um, they have bands on on Sunday afternoons, uh, jazz bands, and a yeah, great afternoon atmosphere. You can sit out on the veranda and have a bit of a feed and um, listen lovely. to some music. Yeah, it's a really good afternoon. Yeah. Um, once you've, you've done all that, then basically you've got three choices. Now, you can either continue straight down the Maroondah Highway and head back into Melbourne... And you can stop at two or three of the major wineries along the left-hand side on the, uh, on your homeward bound journey. So you've got wineries like Rocheford, Oak Ridge, um, a little winery called Badger's Brook. Um, you pop in and have a look at these guys because they're, they're all great little wineries there. Rocheford in particular has a magnificent cellar door. Yeah, yeah. Um, some lovely areas up there. You can either go left, if you want to go into the upper Yarrow Valley, so you cut across to the Warburton Highway, and you can go and visit Yarraburn or Lilydale Estates, um, which are two of the major wineries along that road, uh, and both producing some great wines. Um, the other alternative is to via right and go on the healesville Yarra glen Road, and which will eventually bring you back into uh, Marooner Highway, and go and visit wineries such as Tarawara. Um, go in and see Sticks if you can, which is uh, or, or Punt Road, I should say, um, which also incorporates Sticks Wines, which is Rob Dolan, whose um, Sticks is his nickname. He used to play footy for Port Adelaide. <laughs> He's about six foot four, and uh, <laughs> and the Punt Road connection also is from uh, uh, originally in Melbourne. Uh, Punt Road was. Uh, a winery uh, oh. along where the, the bridge is and there was no bridge there yeah. and you had to take the punt to get across the Arrow River and they go from winery to winery. So this is back in the 1850s, so that's where the, the name springs from. So, I learned to be a time traveller. Uh, <laughs> and actually, if you look at the labels on the bottle, they, they show the the Arrow River with the punt going across it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, got a bit of um, history and connection there. Um, and last of all, is if you... You stay on that same road, travel up the Melba Highway, which is named after Dame Nell- Nelly Melba, yeah. and um, drop in and see Yearing Station. Because again, one of the truly magnificent wineries in the region, spent about $20 million on it. But it is just fantastic. And drop in and get some ice cream up there because your ice cream's fantastic. Um, (laughs) Cheese, ice cream. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it it really is. It's a great day out, like not just for wine because you can get, um, you know, you can can see all the different vineyards and the wineries, but there's so much food and production up there in the Arrow Valley. It's uh, That's why it's become such a great industry, that it's an all round industry. And very scenic as well. Yeah, and and, yeah, you've got all this, you know, the fantastic scenery, especially if you get up into the Black Spur and come back down again. Mm. And all this that we've been talking about, it's an hour from Melbourne. So you can easily do it in a whole day and um, visit, you know, heaps of different places, or, uh, you know, you can even set out over a a few different weekends or a month or, you know, as I said, we tend to get a little bit blase because we live so close to the, mm. the valley, especially myself, like I live in the eastern suburbs, so I'm 30 minutes from the, the valley and but we might go up two or three times a year, but yeah. it's still a great day out. I'm a fantastic And place all year in. round as well, you can do this. Yeah, all year round, yeah. There's always something on, so uh, yeah, it's quite an enjoyable days out. So if you're visiting from overseas or local and, and want a, a good days out, there you go. Plan a day and uh, jump on the leisure website and, and have a look and we'll go from there. That's brilliant.
0: You, you, you're a wealth of information, Greg. That's <laughs> <laughs> what well, I spend all my time drinking for. It, everyone. Greg, have you got the normal list for us uh, today? Well, and, uh... I've
1: sort of thrown the, the normal list out the window <laughs> again, Richard. I thought because we were talking about Shandon I thought we'd feature some of the wines from Shandon uh, Winery and Predominantly, what uh, Chandon produce are sparkling wines. We're not allowed to call them champagne in Australia, and we'll go into this a bit further down the track because they're um, when we talk about actual wine making. But all the generic terms were taken out of Australia in the 1990s, like so the French generic terms such as burgundy and mm. um, uh, claret and things like that. Yeah. And one of the terms was champagne. Now, champagne can only be called Champagne if it's produced in the region of Champagne in France, and uh, all other wines produced outside that region are to be called sparkling wines. So even if they're made in France and they're outside of the, the three main areas, mm. then uh, everything is sparkling wine. So what we get in Australia now is uh, sparkling, and this is what Chandon does very well. They tend to be only one of the producer that creates... A whole base of different wines whereas a lot of Australian producers tend to produce just one sparkling style. The three main grapes that are used in sparkling wine are Pinoir, Pinot Noir, Pinot Mineur, and Chardonnay and this is what's called method traditional which is the traditional way that they make champagne and uh, the difference with Chandon is they actually produce a whole variance of wines from these different grapes. So I thought I'd talk about some of their wines today. Yeah. They also do a, a table range as well called Greenpoint, and we might look at these sort of further into some of our podcasts because yeah. we can't fit all the wines in because they make so many. Um, but they do do a very good sparkling from Greenpoint, I'll talk about this at the end. So the first style that they make is called uh, non-vintage. Now, uh, non-vintage is... Uh, uh, made from a cuvee or a blend of grapes from non-specific years. So that's where it gets the term non-vintage. Right. They can be quite good quality because the uh, oenologist, when he s- starts to put the w- wines together, because all these sparkling wines are blended from base grapes. Sorry, not-
0: can you can you back up there? A what? Oenologist, oh, oniologist, An orneologist,
1: <laughs> Which is a, a winemaker. Okay. Um, <laughs> w- what he does is... Uh, you're not getting a a, a wine like a, a sparkling non-vintage chandon. It's not just one grape. Mm. It's actually blended from different vintages and uh, different styles, as I said. Yeah. So you can pick the best of and pour them all together, and uh, and that's where you come up with your base product. Right. So the base product, the NV uh, or the non-vintage around about $20, $22 in the in most shops. Um, great little product, drinks really well and has some lovely sort of toasty, yeasty characters about it. Has it got a shelf life? Um, most sparklings, yeah, will carry a shelf life of uh, a few years yeah. without any problem. No. Um, you can always put your bubbles away and, you know, it help. But something like vintages tend to, to sit a little bit better. Mm. Uh, um but again, you know, most champagnes or sparklings are consumed fairly young anyway. So yeah. Yeah. unless you've got something from the early 1900s or something, that you know, in champagne, that's real quality that will sit for a long time. Mm. Um, the next style of sparkling is called vintage. And the difference between this is this is from one specific year. So same thing can be blended from different grapes um, and... Different batches, but must be from that one time frame. So, say you've got a '95 vintage, or '96 vintage, or '97 vintage. And again, the, the qualities tend to be much the same, but you can get a little bit more intensity within the wine because of being that specific year. And if if the winemaker's done his job properly, you will get a a really good quality drink. Mm. Um, now, the the two wines that uh, Chandon do really well. Um, which are different, that you don't see on the market very much, uh Blanc de Blancs and Blanc de Was. Now, Blanc de Blanc is 100% Chardonnay, so it's just taken from that one grape style. It tends to be a little bit more uh, lively, fruit-driven. Um, I like it because it gives a little bit more dryness on the end of the palate. Yeah. Um, I find it's a cleaner drink than the NVs and the Vintage's. Uh, it's one of my favourite styles. And the other one is the Blanc de Loire's, which is a hundred percent Pinot Noir. Mm. Now, the interesting variation on this is Pinot Noir is a, a black grape, and yet it comes out white in style, like most classic sparklings. And how they achieve this is that they don't press the grape skin when they get the juice, the free run juice out. So all they do is they they get the when they do the pressing, there's no contact with the grape skin, and this just allows a clear free-run juice, which is a white colour, even though you've got a black grape. Oh. Um, and this is Blanc de Blancs, so a little bit more fruit-driven in style, um, a little bit more complex, and, and this is where all these components come in together, yeah. whether, why they choose these three grapes, because they, all these components add to the flavours of the, the sparkling wine. Um, Next one they make, which is Cuvee Riche. Cuvee Riche is a a, a higher sugar, high residual sugar. So you get a sweeter style Mm. altogether than the other previous ones that we've been talking about. Um, It's got a little bit bit more fizz and a little bit more mouth filling, but it's also, as I said, a little bit sweeter in style. So especially one that the ladies love um yeah. you know popping the strawberries in there and things like that <laughs> it's not cheap though it's about the the 30 dollar mark you know upwards yeah um the Blanc de Blancs and the Blanc de Bars are again about the the high 20 marks and the vintages in the high 20s as well um then Chandon do a wine called ZD now ZD is an interesting wine it actually comes without a cork in it. It comes with a crown seal on top, so the same as what you get on a beer bottle, basically. Oh. And this is all to do within the wine's production because when you make a sparkling wine or a champagne, the very last thing you do is you add dosage or expedition liqueur and what they do is they, they turn the bottle upside down into a rack And they freeze that all the lees go down into the plug. Now, lees, you can ask me, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) Lees Lees are the dead yeast cells, and the yeast cells go down into the neck, and then they freeze it in a brine solution, and then they turn the bottle up, pop the ground at the crown seal, and this spurts out. And then they Mm. add what they call a dosage or expedition liqueur, which adds a little bit of sweetness and also just adds a little bit of that fermentation process as well and then they stick in the traditional cork with the muzzlet and seal it all up. Well, mm-hmm. what they do with the ZD is zero dosage, so they don't put any dosage in there. They just leave the crown seal and what you get is a bone-dry drink at the end of the day, so it's much drier than any of the other sparklings mm-hmm. um, and if you like that really, really dry style, then this is the, the wine for you. Um, and lastly, uh, they also do a sparkling red, which is... This is also uh, made from Noir and Shiraz, so using two classic grapes, and it is red. It's, yeah. it's a dark wine. Um, if you haven't tried sparkling reds, get onto them. They're fantastic. I love them, especially with things <laughs> like Indian and... Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really, really good wine. Um,
0: Did they have to be chilled, sparkling reds? Yeah, chill them down, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So, um just like any champagne or sparkling, but you get a lot more richness in flavour. And if you like you know, sparkling Shiraz, mm. uh, if you've never tried it, I really highly recommend it. Um, and the, the last one I thought I'd talk about is from the Greenpoint range itself, and it's the only sparkling that they make in the range. I presume it's still available. I know we've got some at Dox, which is a 95 vintage. Uh, not cheap, it's about $50.00. uh but it is magnificent it's one of the better sparklings in australia for around that money and i think it's on par with any of the tasmanian sparklings which i consider the best in australia and um yeah if you can search some out uh i know that the vintage has sold out but there's some shops still do hold some 95 very complex and yeah, almost getting into champagne territory, which is uh, a big comment because uh, yes. I think there's some great champagnes around. So, uh, yep, that's the the entire range that they make. And uh, if you've never tried some of these wines, like the the blanc de blancs or the blanc de or sparkling reds, uh, give them a try and see what you think yourself.
0: Thank you very much, Greg. Our pleasure. <laughs> Once again, you've uh, you've 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 come it's so good it's, it's, it's a pleasure to listen to you uh, thanks again <laughs> and um, that's Greg from Docslicker Um this is Richard saying goodbye and thanks for listening
1: thank you Richard
0: and I uh, hope to catch everyone next time thanks. bye bye well that's it for this episode uh, thanks go to Greg and everyone at Docks Slicker. if you would like to contact Docks directly they have stores in Baldwin North and Ringwood North both in Victoria you can call them on 1111 or 0398799200 and please be sure to tell him that Greg sent you. Docs also have a blog with all of the latest news and information. You can find that at docslicker.bigblog.com.au. Oslo's a Great is published every month so if you like this podcast please be sure to subscribe to the feed through iTunes and others. Full details on how to do that as well as the topics covered in this episode, contact details, past episodes and notes on future episodes can be found at www.ozleisure.com.au/grapevine. If you have any comments on the show or suggestions for future shows, then please send us an email to grapevine at osleisure.com.au We want to produce the content that you want to hear. Thanks for listening. This is Richard Maguire for osleisure.com.au your guide to Australian holiday and leisure activities. Until next time, see you later. It's a fine time to have a drink Maybe with some mates for a date Sounds good now, don't you think? Forget the world, don't worry about money Let's be pleasure seekers, honey And let's check the grapevine for advice Oh yes, indeed A frosty beverage might be what you really need Will it be? Red or white, which way to go? It all looks good tonight. Let's check the grid for advice.